Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Just a warning that this podcast contains references to domestic violence and sexual assault that some listeners may find distressing. Today on the Indo Daily, Diddy, Cassie, and the 24 hour lawsuit that shook a hip hop icon. Rap mogul Sean Combs, better known as Diddy, is facing serious accusations of abuse by his former girlfriend and collaborator. Rapper, music producer and business mogul Sean Diddy Combs, formerly known as Puff Daddy, was at the centre of disturbing allegations by his former girlfriend and hip-hop artist Cassie. Cassie describing the music mogul as a vicious, cruel and controlling man, saying she was trapped and held down by Combs. She's now suing him for what she says happened during what she's calling a cycle of abuse, spelling out incident after incident. It was a damaging 24 hours for the star who settled the lawsuit just a day after the initial allegations were filed. Though Cassie and Diddy did not detail the terms of that agreement, the settlement quickly shuts down the potential for a trial and the process of legal discovery. That's when evidence in the case is often made public. I'm Fiannan Sheehan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by Dee Malumbi, features journalist with the Irish Independent, to talk through the impact of the case on the rap legend. Dee, to start with, can we just establish, who are we talking about here? Because there are multiple names. So to make it more familiar to people... Who is this person? So uh, this figure was born as Sean John Combs. Uh, He also goes by Sean Love Combs. He also goes by Puff Daddy, if you're of a certain generation. Uh, Diddy is kind of probably the music title that he uh, mostly goes by. But whatever name you know him by, uh, you've been living under a rock for the past two to three decades if you have not heard uh, this man's name. He is a huge, huge name um, in the music industry, a three-time Grammy winner, a two-time VMA winner. Uh, Diddy runs a business empire that includes pretty much everything. It spans alcohol, music, uh, his clothing line, Sean John. I was going to make the clothes that you would get dressed in, the fragrance you would put on, listen to the music that I produced. 
to buy the vodka that was in the club. And he's been a major hip-hop figure since founding Bad Boy Records in 1993. He has worked with such musicians as the Notorious B.I.G. Mary J. Blige. Usher and Lil' Kim. And just to kind of uh, talk about a few of the highlights in his career, after the tragic death of the Notorious B.I.G. in 1997, Sean Combs released I'll Be Missing You, which was a huge, huge single. It topped the Billboard singles charts for uh, 11 weeks. He produced the MTV reality series Making the Band. He was known for dating Jennifer Lopez for a time. They were known as a big power couple. He's also made a foray into movies. He starred in the film Monsters Ball in 2001. He performed at the Super Bowl halftime show in 2004. And the list just goes on and on for all of these kind of highlights of his careers. He really is a big, powerful name when it comes to this industry. So we're going to, for the purpose of this conversation, we're going to call him Sean Diddy Combs because that's what he what he goes by uh, now. Then tell me, who is Cassandra Cassie Ventura? So Cassie is an American singer. She's also a model, an actress and a dancer. She was born in Connecticut and she would have begun her musical career really in late 2004. Um, At this time, she signed on to the record label Next Selection Lifestyle Group with the record producer Ryan Leslie. Now, she'd probably be best known for her debut single, Me and You, which was released in 2005. Um, It peaked at number three on the Billboard Hot 100, sold more than one million digital downloads. And I think that a lot of people of a certain generation generation would still recognize it now when it comes on in the dance club and they kind of start to dance along with it. Um, But really, it was that debut single, Me and You, that ultimately led to a relationship with um, Sean Combs. He discovered the single and he agreed with the producer, Ryan Leslie, uh, to partner with him. So Next Selection Imprint uh, would have uh, partnered with Combs Bad Boy Records for the commercial release of Cassie's self-titled debut album. Now, Combs was very good at kind of defending Cassie in in, you know, the early stages of her career. She was criticized for early live performances on the likes of uh, Total Request Live. And he said, like, look, cut her some slack. She's a bit inexperienced. And he would have been quite involved in her second album, um, saying that Cassie was going to be working with such producers as Kanye West and Pharrell Williams on it. However, this um, album wasn't really released in the end. Now, you know, Cassie's career ended up kind of taking an interesting journey because it was looking quite promising in those years of the mid to late 2000s. But I'm not sure that there was quite enough to distinguish her as an artist compared to, you know, other musicians who would have been releasing music at this uh, time. She had a small role in Mark Wahlberg's movie Spencer Confidential. Um, And on the TV screen, she appeared in two episodes of Empire, which was a show that Sean Combs is rumored to have taken issue with because he didn't approve of the fact that there were some similarities to his own uh, life story in the story, in the in the narrative there. Arguably, today she's probably better known in the US than she would be internationally at least at this point in her career but possibly as a result of these uh, latest developments she'll be kind of wider known now I suppose. Yeah, Combs in his capacity as Puff Daddy major international rap artist probably has that global fame whereas she's probably more more isolated to, to, to the States. Tell us so what is this case about that we've been hearing about? 
So Sean Combs, a.k.a. Puff Daddy, a.k.a. Diddy, um, he was accused of rape and abuse in a major lawsuit that was filed by uh, Cassie, a.k.a. Cassandra Ventura, that alleges that he used his powerful network to keep her trapped in a violent uh, relationship with him. Ventura accused the singer of rape domestic violence and sex trafficking, citing controlling behavior that she says lasted over a decade while she was signed to Diddy's record label and the two were in a romantic relationship. The two would have dated uh, for more than a decade, really. However, the two ended up reaching a settlement very, very quickly, uh, just a day after the lawsuit was filed. Yeah, the two of them have now issued this statement that says there was a settlement, but doesn't really say in any detail of what exactly was settled, what part of her allegations resulted in this settlement. And I suppose that's what the focus has been on. So the parties announced on Friday evening that they'd reached an agreement to resolve the case. Um, They didn't disclose now any details about the terms of the settlement. Uh, But Cassie said in her statement, I have decided to resolve this matter amicably on terms that I have some level of control. I want to thank my family, fans, and lawyers for their unwavering support. And then Sean Combs' statement reads, we have decided to resolve this matter amicably. I wish Cassie and her family all the best. Love. Can we go into some of the allegations that she made? Uh, Yes, so the lawsuit really is quite disturbing in terms of um, how it depicts how that relationship uh, began and how it developed. It alleges that uh, Sean Combs aggressively pursued her and invited her to a gathering uh, for her 21st birthday. They had met um, initially when she was just 19 years old. And at this birthday party, he forcibly kissed her. He immediately started exerting his power and influence. Cassandra alleges that in 2018 she had been, you know, absolutely desperate to end this relationship and um, they had a dinner and she thought that they were going to be discussing the issue, that they were ultimately going to break up after this dinner. However, Combs forced himself into her home and raped her, according to the lawsuit. Uh, shortly, Shortly after she left the home, which he had paid for, she returned the car he had bought for her um, and separated herself from him completely. She says the harm and trauma that she had experienced had required intensive uh, medical and psychological um, care. Not only that, but he was uh, he was physically abusive towards her in terms of beating her. Um, apparently, he often kicked, punched and um, stomped on her. Um, he also disturbingly forced Ventura to regularly engage in sexual acts with male uh, sex workers. Ventura alleged that after the two met back in 2005, Combs lured Miss Ventura into an ostentatious, fast-paced and drug-fueled lifestyle and into a romantic relationship with him, and that he used illegal substances and threats of violence to force Miss Ventura into repeated unwanted sexual encounters with male sex workers. These acts would have involved costumes such as masquerade masks and lingerie, and Combs photographed and filmed these encounters as well, according to the lawsuit. Yeah, we're not, we're not, this is not really an historic allegations. 2018 was when they broke up and that, that dinner you, you, you referred to uh, and, and the, the subsequent uh, actions that she, that she alleged happened. Well, you know, that's, that's only five years ago. Uh, so fine, the relationship is, is broken up for, for five years uh, now, but not, not that, that far back. And, and also, it's interesting, she's claiming that 
these uh, this abuse happened across several state, different state lines. So we're not just talking about New York here. Yeah, so that's what's quite interesting about this. Um, apparently, they occurred in the likes of uh, Miami, Beverly Hills and Los Angeles. So there was kind of the threat of this uh, becoming a federal case. And this is something that um, the publication T- TMZ had acquired into. Um, according to a report by them, they actually contacted the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of uh, New York, as well as the FBI. Um, but of course, you know, it was kind of early days to call at this point whether this could have developed into a uh, federal case. It was purely speculation. And it just takes 24 hours, I suppose, to completely uh, change the context for a case. And that's how this situation was ultimately resolved. And they were also looking at trying it in the uh, Southern District of New York, which could have potentially spelt out uh, really bad news for Sean Combs, because the Southern District of New York boasts a shockingly high conviction rate across the board. Um, According to the Pace University criminal justice blog, over 95% of all criminal cases result in a plea of guilty, um, which is obviously extremely high stats there. Um, So yeah, it could have been like potentially very damaging for Sean Combs. She has an allegation in that lawsuit that Combs targeted another rapper because of his jealousy and that broadened out into quite an incredible story. Yeah, it's quite uh, it's quite frightening actually. So in one incident that was described in the court cases, um, Cassandra Ventura says that in early 2012 Mr. Combs uh, grew so angry about her dating the rapper uh, Kid Cudi that he said he would blow up the rapper's car um, and the state actually says that around that time his car ended up exploding in his driveway and through a spokeswoman Kid Cudi confirmed uh, Cassie's account that his car has exploded and said that this was all true. So there's really some, you know, there's quite a bit of um, violence potentially in that relationship. And Cassie would have also detailed a number of incidents where Sean Combs' physical abuse towards her took to quite extremes as well. For example, there was one incident in uh, Los Angeles where, again, I suppose this has in common with the Kid Cudi case in that there was quite a bit of uh, jealousy because Sean Combs became so enraged when he he saw Cassie talking to another talent agent that he allegedly uh, pushed her into a car. He kicked her repeatedly in the face and made her bleed. And in another incident in 2015, Sean Combs beat Cassie so severely that when his security card and assistant saw her, um, she had two black eyes. She had a burst and bruised lip, a huge welt on her forehead, and the two began to cry together, according to this lawsuit. Um, and she was forced to hide in hotels while she was healing from these physical injuries and bruises. Does she detail why she's brought the lawsuit at this time? Uh, Yes, she has actually talked about it and she said that really it's as a result of this Adult Survivors Act. So for anyone who is unfamiliar with this, this is a New York law that allows people who say they were victims of sexual abuse to file civil suits after the state of limitations has expired. Now, the one-year window to bring cases under this law ends next week. So that law was actually cited in Cassie's complaint. And in a statement, she talked about its importance. So she says, quote, with the expiration of New York's Adult Survivors Act, 
fast approaching, it became clear that this was an opportunity to speak up about the trauma I have experienced and that I will be recovering from uh, for the rest of my life, end quote. And she also spoke about how it, it was important to speak out not just on her own behalf, but on behalf of other women who have suffered uh, physically, emotionally, psychologically as a result of these types of abuses. Now, beyond the statement attached to the settlement, had Sean Diddy Combs responded to these allegations in, a, in any substantial manner? Yeah, there were a couple of interesting developments. So initially, the only response that we had from Sean Combs was from his lawyer, Ben Braffman, who said, quote, Mr. Combs vehemently denies these offensive and outrageous allegations, end quote. Um, but not only that, but his lawyers actually claimed that Cassie was um, essentially blackmailing them. In a statement to E! News, Diddy's lawyer, Ben Braffman, says Mr. Combs vehemently denies these offensive and outrageous allegations. For the past six months, Mr. Combs has been subjected to Ms. Ventura's persistent demand of $30 million under the threat of writing a damaging book about their relationship, which was unequivocally rejected as blatant blackmail. Now, they said that, you know, they absolutely refused to give in to these demands, that it was pure blackmail. Um, and they said that now that she has withdrawn this threat, she's now resorting to filing a lawsuit riddled with, quote, baseless and outrageous lies aiming to tarnish Mr. Cohn's reputation and seeking a payday, end quote. Yeah, the, the situation now, though, is that there are still ripple effects. As you mentioned, he, he did a show on MTV called Making the Band and a, a girl band emerged out of that. And the most prominent singer from that is now involved in this as well. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, that's right. So Aubrey O'Day, uh, she's now a singer and reality television personality. And she really would have um, been one of the leading um individuals that emerged out of this reality series making the band and she kind of spoke out when these allegations came out. She expressed kind of having Cassie's back and everything. Uh, she says, I am in complete support of her. I've been trying to tell y'all for years, prayers up to this queen. And she also spoke previously about how Sean Combs had actually kind of tried to get her to sign an NDA, uh, which would never disparage either him or his label, Bad Boy. Any claims or wrongdoings or actions prior to the date of the release, I have to sign an NDA that I will never disparage Puff, Bad Boy, Janice Combs, or Justin Combs Music, or EMI, or Sony ever in public. Uh, she talked about this in a YouTube video and she said that she refused to sign the NDA. And not only that, but she also told her fellow band members who would have been part of Danity Kane, which was part of the Making the Band show, uh, she told them not to sign the NDA either. Yeah, the assertion there is that there was an edict laid down to anybody within the, the wider circle or anybody, any acts who came to work for us there, but that they ought to design NDAs. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so it would, again, that would suggest that there were other activities uh, here that, that Mr. Combs doesn't want getting out there into the public domain. I mean, it's the story you always hear about when it comes to abuse of power and just kind of, you know, making everybody 
shuts their mouth about it, really. Um, it's kind of a classical story that we've heard again and again. But I suppose as a result of the way that this particular case has been uh, resolved in quote unquote amicable terms, which really means in financial terms, in a way it would have been perhaps more powerful to see this case go to court and everything. But at the same time, I can understand why Cassie would have ultimately withdrawn from that because you can imagine someone with the kind of money and resources as Sean Combs would have had. He would have had very powerful lawyers on his side who could have given Cassie, you know, quite a grilling in terms of that cross-examination if it had gone to a court of law. So is that the end of the matter or do we think there are additional questions for Sean Diddy Combs to answer here, either from the media side, the business side, or indeed on the federal prosecution side? It is one of those cases where I suppose it is it is a little bit of wait and see. I do think that this lawsuit is going to mark something, um, like act as something of a black mark against Diddy. Um, his career is largely based on collaborations with uh, not only other artists, but other labels. And there is a possibility now that these, you know, allegations have come out that some will want to dissociate from his name, um, at least in in the short term. But at the same time, you know, we have seen these allegations in previous cases have no impact on the person in question's career whatsoever. And particularly given this case was resolved so quickly and amicably, quote unquote, it's hard to say if it's actually going to have any real repercussions, um, particularly when he is such a powerful figure in his respective industry. It'll be interesting to see what repercussions this has in terms of Cassie's career as well. Only time will tell if it could mark some kind of revitalization in terms of bringing her name to more prominent on, you know, an international level like we were kind of talking about there earlier. I do think, though, probably both parties are quite relieved at how this has ultimately panned out. And I think that both of them are going to be very careful um, and they should be very careful when it comes to exactly what they're going to do next in terms of life and career. And my thanks to Dee Malumbi. I'm Fiona Anjian, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Tabitha Monaghan, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips from ABC News, TMZ News, CBS Mornings, E! News, Page Six and the Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. And if you have been affected by any of the issues raised on this podcast, there is a list of helplines available on the Irish Independent. Just search someone to talk to. Shachtan, an Indo Askeliga. Time in mon Iraq the end of Chacht Erachor. Agasuligum a Makan Shah, Gurfader Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetoch, Ara, Igornamion, on Kestian Echo. Vientolum againom Griv, Orkar Nrachtum. Yetakshetarin Griven, Orkarston, Elistuhalagus Gimina Fracht, Gorokligs are Dukashin Echor. Only Venown, Dardarakshin. Ben Marav. Shachtan. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.